Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What a great team win for the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles go to 5-0, 3-0 on the road. They beat the L.A. Rams 23-14, where they pitched a shutout in the second half. Welcome to the Pond of Hockey postgame show. We're live from Ocean Casino right here in Atlantic City. I'm Mike Missinelli with my cohorts, Derek Gunn and former All-Pro linebacker Seth Joyner. Fellas, really a simple formula today. They controlled the ball on offense and they curtailed Matthew Stafford in the second half when it looked like he was going to have a field day with his slot receivers. I'll tell you what, their ability to control the clock and keep the Rams' offense off the field when necessary was quite impressive, but I thought the most impressive aspect of this game was the second-half adjustments Sean Desai made defensively to slow down that Rams' offense. He inserted uh, Bradley Roby to follow Cooper Cup who had six catches for 95 yards in the first half. He had one catch, which was in the fourth quarter, with meaningless catches that. Uh, Sean Desai's adjustment. You know, we questioned all season long about how Sean Desai would make adjustments throughout a game. Today I thought he made the perfect, necessary adjustments to slow down at Rams off. Yeah, very impressive. Seth, what did they do? What did they change up in the second half that they weren't doing in the first half? Because we were looking at this like, boy, Cup's going to run this guy's ragged today. Well, listen, in, in the pregame, we talked about how much Bradley Roby would play. And I said, listen, they didn't sign this kid to come in here and sit on the bench. They didn't activate him today to sit on the bench. He's going to play. And in the second half, they realized that they needed him to play. Um, his experience, along with the other two guys on the outside, means all the difference in the world because you can see some of the routes that beat them in the first half simply weren't there in the second half. A, because they got up and they challenged the receivers a little more. But B, you had a veteran presence in the slot, a guy who's willing to communicate with everyone across the board. 
means all the difference in the world. So there's no indecision. There were times where Cooper Cup was running his, his, his option routes, and when he would option and come back in the other direction, Bradley Roby was sitting, was standing right there. That's the difference between a guy, you know, who's been there before, who's confident in his skill sets and what he does, you know, and knows how to play the game. You know, it, there, there's no experience. There's no um, replacing a guy with that kind of experience. Now, he might not have been the greatest shit. You probably couldn't play him a whole game. But when you needed him in the second half, they put him in. He was effective. And I'm telling you, that coverage now begins to help the, the, the pass rush. And then the pass rush now begins to help the coverage. It all works hand in hand, Mike. It really does. Yeah, well, listen, Matthew Stafford, 12 for 17 in the first half for 147 yards. And uh, uh, he finished with two... Uh, 222, but 25 Mike, of those yards were kind of garbage. 75, uh, yards, 75 yards passing for a Super Bowl winning quarterback in a half of football. Come on, man. That's Come great. On. It's a great job, and it, it was really a great win. Now let's look at Jalen Hurts because another efficient day for Jalen. He, he threw for 303, one touchdown. He did get intercepted on a bad throw to the end zone, uh, but he got a lot of time to throw the football today in the pocket. Now, he got flushed a couple times and made some great scrambles, but they really protected him in this game, Dave. That offensive line gave him the necessary, especially in third down situations. He had all the time in the world for A.J. Brown and the guys to adjust their routes, Dallas Goddard, and man, did he put the ball on the money when he had to. He made one gaffe. He underthrew that ball to the end zone of A.J., which was uh, the result of, of an interception, but for the most part, back-to-back good games through the air for Jalen Hurst today. Yeah, and, of course, Aaron Donald was kind of a non-factor today. I mean, the focus was on Aaron Donald. It really was. The, the Sirianni's focus all week, get follow Aaron Donald everywhere. So they, they made sure they knew uh, what he was doing. But Sua Opeta uh, in the guard position we thought was going to be a liability against him. It didn't turn out to be that way, Seth. Their offensive line really buckled on him. Listen, there were times where the defensive front was set in a way where it almost forced Sua Opeta to have to, have to block him one-on-one, and he did a great job. You know, I, and listen, Cam Jurgens is the starter. There's no doubt about that. But I think that, you know, everybody was a little worried, not only, you know, with the transition to Opeta with, with Landon Dickinson, well, uh, with Cam Jurgens being down for a while, everyone was probably a little bit concerned. But Sue Opeta is showing everybody, you know what, hey, I can get it done. And, I mean, there was plenty of times today where he had the great Aaron Donald one-on-one, and, and trust me, he handled him one-on-one by himself. But they also had some schemes for some of the, the, the stunts that, that, um, that the Rams' defense run. And, I mean, it was one play where they put him, line him up at, at defensive end and loop him all the way back around. And Lane Dickerson just ran with him the entire way. He started on the right side and ended with him way on the, on the left side of the formation. So that tells me that, you know, to your point, Nick Sirianni put a lot into being able to stop him, but the guy that's really tasked with making that how that happen is Jeff Stoutland. Jeff Stoutland did a great job of making sure that he kept Jalen Hurts protected today. And the one sack that he did take, that sack was on him. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's no question that Aaron Donald is the first ballot Hall of Famer. But in five games now career-wise against the Eagles, he's never had a quarterback sack. So you look at historically, 
you know, what Aaron Donald does against other teams so well, he has not been able to do against this Philadelphia Eagles team through the test of time. Well, the guy's a monster player. He had one pressure, I think, today, yeah. which is, like, amazing. Yeah. Now, the Eagles didn't cash as far as touchdowns go, but they moved the ball well enough. They got three field goals to tack on with Elliott, short field goals. And the guys that came alive, well, let's talk about the tight end because they finally got Goddard involved, and they got him involved early. Eight catches for 117 with a 49 long. And, of course, A.J. Brown as well, another monster game, six for 127. But, Seth, seeing Goddard exploit the middle of the field was really refreshing. It was, and he exploited the middle of the field, whether it be zone or whether it be man, which leads you to believe leads you to think, you know, where has he been? What's the problem been? You know, I mean, when you have a guy of that talent level and you're not using him, to me, that's problematic. You find, find figure out ways to get guys, you know, involved. It wasn't a big day for Devontae Smith, but Devontae Smith is never a guy that's going to complain about, you know, not getting targets and things of that nature. He just plays. Dallas God is not going to complain. And I'm not saying the complaining of, of A.J. Brown is an issue, you know, but I just think that there's only one ball to go around. And when you have as much talent on the roster, on the offensive side of the team that you have, that the Eagles have, you know, there's going to be some games where guys are going to be involved and there's going to be some games where guys aren't. And guys have got to be okay with that, you know, because, listen, they're 5-0. and They're 5-0. and There's no reason to complain or get bent out of shape about anything. You're 5-0. and Now, when the team is – loses a game or you go into a little bit of a losing streak, now I can understand guys being upset. But just as long as you're winning, that's all that matters. Shut your mouth and wait your turn for the <laughs> yeah, ball well, to come Yeah, who was upset to today? Maybe Devontae a little bit on the sidelines. Nick Sirianni uh, kind of had the red butt today a little bit. He got in, in Jalen's face a couple times. But this is a damn good team. You know, we've been looking at these games that they're winning and, and, and they're, you know, people are saying, well, they're just kind of surviving. But they're doing what they need to do against teams that are inferior. Today, they dominated this team when it looked like the Rams were going to have a fighting chance. This is how good this team is. They, they, they did it on defense, and on offense, they controlled the ball enough. I mean, at the time of possession, Derek, 37-55 yeah, for the yeah. Eagles to 22-05 for the Rams. They just ground them up. Well, let's give credit where credit is due. You know, we've questioned these coordinators time and time again. Brian Johnson once again made the necessary adjustments when he had to. Once they got the lead, they went to the ground game. They finished with a buck 54 on the ground. Um, and defensively, Desai wrapped up, uh, ramped up the pressure on Matthew Stafford. He didn't let him sit back there like he did the first half. I mean, Stafford had plenty of time to sit back there and pick him apart in the first half. He forced the issue in the second half. I think he blitzed more in the second half than he's blitzed all this season to be honest with you, and he kept coming. He kept coming, and I'm still waiting. I'm thinking, okay, he's going to call off the dogs eventually. No, he didn't. He kept the pressure on Stafford. Once he realized that if you speed up Matthew Stafford's clock, those receivers can't do what they want to do, it made, the, it made a world of difference in the outcome of the game. You know, uh, this the, 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 the drive that I keep thinking about was the drive that they did, came into the uh, out of the first half with. And, and out of the first half, they got – they got the ball down the field in four plays to score a touchdown, and there was a monster catch, a, a one-handed snag by, by A.J. Brown yeah, in, in yeah. that. And plus, there was a penalty. They gave him a first down at the 14, uh, and then you know they get the pass interference to get it to the one. And like four plays, they score there, which had to take some win out of the Rams' sale. That was a monster touchdown. They, they went the length of the field in 32 seconds 
and used up the entire 32 seconds. That's demoralizing for a team when you had them down 14-10. You had to feel pretty good at that point about where you were, and all of a sudden you let them walk right back down the field. You give. What's the one thing a coordinator tells you? In a situation like that, don't give up the big play. And what do they do? Give up the big play over the middle to A.J. Brown. And from there, they had luck on their side. They got two big plays after that, boom, and then they punch it in. If I'm, if I'm a defensive coordinator, my defensive personnel, when I go to the locker room, I'm standing there going, what the bleep just happened? Yep. And, and they carried over in the second half. <laughs> the Rams, oh, my like, goodness. You know, they, they didn't know what, what the Eagles were doing defensively to them. It, it kind of carried over, and, and the Eagles dominated the second yeah. half. Well, the issue. So, uh, so we, this, yeah, we got, some, we got some action in the background here. The issue in, game's going on. The issue yep. in the second half, the Eagles' defense just really stepped it up in the second half. They went punt, 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 down. Four possessions in the second half, and they, just, they got absolutely nothing. They basically ran, what is that, 22, that, that's 22 plays, 24 plays in the second half and wound up with four punts and giving it up on downs. Uh, um, they just ramped it up. You know, Mike, I will say this. You know, we talked about the Eagles, and I've tried to get people, you know, to understand this. Um, the Eagles started off slow, but slowly but surely, you know, over this five-game span, they've gotten better and better in all phases of the game. The problem is, you know, we fail to realize is that, you know, there's players on the other team with great coaches on the other team. They get paid just like the Eagles do, okay? So in an imperfect game, and football is an imperfect game, we want to see the Eagles play to perfection. You know, and, and realistically, if, if – if a player plays at 75% proficiency in a game, he's probably played one hell of a game because you got to give that other 25% to your opponent and realize that, you know what, they are elite athletes just like you are. The thing is, with them not playing at optimal levels and being able to, to be as efficient as we would allow for them to be, what we have to realize at the end of the day is that they're finding and figuring out ways to win football games, you know, while not playing at their best. So by the time we get to, you know, that important part of the season where we're playing some of the best players, we should be at top levels. And if we're at top levels, my goodness, you know, how are teams going to handle this football team? If, if this is where they're playing and they're 5-0, and when we get to where we really, where the schedule really meets the road, and we're playing at optimal levels, what are, what are other teams going to do with it? Yeah, uh, I can't see the screen. There was a big roar. People are probably seeing, uh, uh, you're watching this, you heard the big roar. You guys can see the screen. What, what, what did they roar about? What, what just happened? Next. You see the oh, ball yeah. rolling around on the ground, and Brees Hall picks it up and runs it in for the touchdown. Jets were winning by three. Oh. This touchdown just put them up by right, 10. Yeah, we so. have, I understand we're in Atlantic City here, and so a lot of New York fans are down here. The Giant fans have limped out of here early as usual. But the I think they left at halftime. Are, are carrying them through today. <laughs> next, right. week, next week's opponent is gaining some confidence. That's all. Yeah. For okay. the moment. Uh, right. And, 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 <laughs> and this is the team they'll play next week, the, the, the New York Jets. So let, let's give a little love to Hassan Reddick. Now, he – he kind of sealed this the, the game's fate here with a couple sacks when you know Stafford was trying to get him back and he, he didn't have much success doing it. Hassan Reddick with back-to-back sacks 
on that series. And, and, and you look at the way he got those sacks with that apparatus off his hand. He got leverage on shoulder pads, and he moved the offensive tackle where he wanted to go and then used that quick burst. That's what we've been waiting to see from Hassan Reddick. He's like reborn now, no, now that he lo- no longer has that protection on his thumb. You know, so he had two today. He's got three on the season now. And there's still plenty of time for Hassan Reddick to get double-digit sacks, which I fully expect him to do if he can stay healthy. Because if you look at this Eagles team right now, week to week, you don't know who's going to go down. But that's the nature of the NFL. But we, this Eagles team was so healthy last year, you know, the injury bugs are finally catching up to them. But the bottom line is the depth on both sides of the football are carrying them through right now. Big series also was uh, they got the field goal to make it 20-14. to 14. And they went 17 plays, ate up eight minutes a clock. Only got a field goal out of it. But Hurts made a couple great plays in that drive. He had a scramble uh, to the 45-yard line for uh, a first down. And then he had all day in the pocket. He hit A.J. for 21 to get him down there. Now, should we be worried about them not cashing in touchdowns today when they got there? I don't like their efficiency in the red zone. Um, And the issue is that – you know, last year they were the, one of the best teams at finishing in the red zone. Today they were two for six in the red zone again against a team that's in the bottom quarter, you know, of red zone efficiency, you know, in, in, the, in the Rams. So it's worrisome because you're going to – I don't know. I, I think Jake Elliott might be leading, you know, the league in points this year. <laughs> I mean, because every week it seems like he's four or five field goals every single week. You know, now, I'm just mentioning it because you brought it up, you know. They can't keep operating like that. They've got to become much more efficient in the red zone if they're going to, if they're going to get to where they want to get to when it's all said and done. Because, you know, these better teams that they play against, they're not going to beat these teams with field goals. They're going to have to beat these teams with touchdowns. So they've got to get better in that area. They've just been – I think they ranked like 27th in the NFL – um, through the first four weeks of the season and red zone efficiency, for a team that's 5-0, and that's like, that's miraculous if you really stop and think about it. So, so, Mike, here's all you need to know about the Eagles' lack of red zone efficiency. Last year, they were 69% in efficiency. The year before, that's 62%. They came into this game at 46% efficiency. That number's going to dip because they were two for six today. Yeah, and the defense is not always going to pitch a second no. half shutout. No. No. So we have to worry about that. All right, let's take a breath here. If you're looking to hire right now in the IT, engineering, manufacturing, or technology fields, all you got to do is contact Gary Kane and his team at Kane Partner Staffing Solutions, and here's how you can connect. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day. All day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. All right, so um, this was a a a really impressive second half for uh, a number of reasons. But the first reason I get that the Eagles came in here. 27th in the league passing yards against and 30th in the league passing touchdowns. And they're playing really with a secondary that really has a lot of moving parts in it. Today they had to throw a new guy in there. But but early on it looked like the the, the new guys that they're trying to play were not having a lot of success. So the adjustments 
that the sign made in the second half with, with these kind of uh, movable parts and guys that are inexperienced, to me, it's pretty amazing. Well, they have no choice. You know, you, you're on a youth movement. You're going to have to give them valuable experience. Eli Ricks, okay, he learned a valuable lesson. or Whatever they discussed in the second half, he made the adjustments as well. Justin Evans was back. He had to make necessary adjustments. And then you incorporate a guy you just brought off the street on Tuesday as well. So whatever they discussed in the second half, whatever adjustments they made, worked to perfection. Anytime you keep any offense in the National Football League under 100 yards and a half, you've more than done your job. You look at the way the Rams are moving up and down the field in that first half. All of a sudden, they come out in the second half, they play a much different brand of football. And it started up front. Sean Desai decided, I cannot let Matthew Stafford stand back there. He's not the most mobile quarterback in the National Football League. What's the best way to get to him? Get a hand in his face to make him hear footsteps. That's exact. I was surprised Desai kept the pressure up the entire second half. I thought he would do it sporadically. But once he figured that element of the game would work, it made a complete difference in how it, it messed with the Rams' passing timing mechanisms. Well, D-Gun, listen, every single quarterback, in my opinion, you know, his Achilles heel is pressure, especially when you're, you're talking about a quarterback who doesn't have mobility. And, 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 and Matt Stafford does not have any mobility whatsoever. You know, so the smart thing to do against quarterbacks like that, speed up his clock, move him off his spot, make him uncomfortable. Especially with a bad hip. Yeah, and, then he, and he missed a lot of throws yes, that, that were there because they sped up his clock. Now, the thing I don't understand is why we don't do it against these younger quarterbacks who are a lot more inexperienced and really don't know what they're looking at is really you know you're only going to give them one read. So why not implement it all the time? But again, it goes back to, in my opinion, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch this game probably late tonight or tomorrow um, because I really want to see what adjustments were made in the second half from the standpoint of where Slay and where Bradbury were playing. I think in the first half, they played off. We complained about it the entire first half, how much off they were playing and how that affected, you know, these three-man routes and the motion that you're getting. And I think that in the second half, they made the change, you know, because you can get all the pressures in the world. You can't get there. You can't finish the deal. I call them almost. I hate pressure. I hate people saying, oh, you know, well, we got all these pressures. Don't nobody give a damn about no pressures. <laughs> get to the quarterback because you want to know something, D-Gun, yeah. and I know you don't agree with me sometimes when it comes to the pressure. Right. If I'm the quarterback, you can pressure me and make me move right, and I can throw an 80-yard touchdown. That pressure don't mean a damn thing. What means something is when you get to the quarterback and you pressure him and make him throw an interception or you get there and you get the sack. That's what pressure, that's the kind, and then you put in his mind the pressure that, oh, goodness, here they come. They coming with the heat. I got to hurry up and get the ball. That's the kind of pressure I'm talking about. But it runs counterintuitive, guys, when you get pressure up front because you're blitzing, 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 but your cornerbacks are playing 10 yards off the ball. The smart quarterbacks, they're going to just raise up and take the, they're going to take the low-hanging fruit. So if you get the guys up and you bump them at the line of scrimmage or you play tighter, now you make the quarterback make great throws, okay? And trying to make great throws under pressure sometimes leads to interceptions, and quarterbacks are a lot less likely to want to throw those tight balls under those kind of pressure situations. So they're off target. They throw them away. They'll take the sack rather than trying to turn it over. Here's where I think almost pressure comes into play, though. 
when you're bringing that pressure from different angles, you're not coming from the same spot every right. time. You force a quarterback to take his eye off his receiver down the field because he really doesn't know whether it's delayed pressure or right off the snap if it's coming from here, here, or here. You take your eye off your receiver for a fraction of a se- second, Seth, all of a sudden you miss that window right. of opportunity, and you allow defense to converge on that receiver, and a lot of times that, that quarterback will make an error and throw. Even a great quarterback, it's a, it's a mechanism that goes off in their heads. And if you're hitting him and get enough hits on him and you're bringing it from various various spots, you that's a that's a psychological battle that you're winning more times than not. I agree 100. Yes. percent I was just being facetious, but my, <laughs> but, but my, but you my got point, me. You finally got me instead yeah, of I me you. getting you. <laughs> you finally but, got me. But but my point is my point is too the thing that Decide did today, yeah, which I which I love is he shows some creativity and some diversity. Yes. It wasn't just the linebackers coming. Yes. Like last year, last week, it was Morrow or Cunningham or a combination of the two. I mean, Roby's only been here since, what, Tuesday? Yes. I saw him come on a couple of blitz. Yes. So yes. now you're beginning to show offenses a variety of different things. The, the, the next step is, okay, show them something over here and then drop out in the zone coverage and bring a guy from this side. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that free hitter that the quarterback doesn't see that turns into a sack, fumble, scoop, and score, yeah. or, you know, a hurried throw that winds up as an interception, or a guy that sees him coming and just lays down and takes the sack. But the diversity of the different blitzes that he brings is the things that excites me because – you know, last year with Jonathan Gannon, even when he came, you know, it was like it was so predictable. It was like knowing that the sun comes up in the east and sets in the west yeah. every single time. Yeah. <laughs> Early in the game, they were exploiting guys like Goodrich and Ricks and, and even Morrow in coverage. Uh, and, and the turnaround happened. You know, he, Stafford made a great throw for a touchdown to Nakua. Puka Nakua can really play. So they got that touchdown, and he beat Bradbury on the play. But then in that, in that series, if you remember, Slay got beat with a big play by Cup for 39 yards. And Cup at that point had six catches for 95 yards at that point in the game. And the, the, the turnaround came when the when the Eagles came back. The Rams had a 14-10 lead at the time. And the Eagles got the ball with 32 seconds left and got down the field for a touchdown. And they had the lead. And that's when the coverage has changed where they dominated the second half of the game. Well, it's a chess match, you know. And, and, and strategic moves have to be made every down, every series. And... I, I'm just so impressed with what Sean Desai did. He realized that he cannot let his secondary, as it was, just stay back there and defend the back end of the field because it was not working. So what's the best way? We got to take a risk. We got to spin that roulette wheel, take a risk. Here's Matthew Stafford with an injured hip. We have to get pressure on him and move him. And look what happened. Once you moved him, not the same quarterback. If you let him stand in the pocket all day and pick you apart like he did the first half for the most part, he'll kill you. He's that good. Now, I'm not saying Matthew Stafford's a Hall of Fame quarterback, but he's good enough to know what he's looking at down the field, and he's got a collection of receivers that can do a lot of damage. With Cooper Cup back in there to go along with those two young kids, they've got a lot of weapons to play with, and Tyler Higby as well, the tight end. But because the Eagles were able to get in his face and bring that heat from different directions and move him off this spot, Matthew Stafford was not the same quarterback. No, he was not. But the thing that that I believe... Yep. that they realized in the second half that they were non-committed to in the first half is that the Rams don't really have – listen, they, they've got a lot of – they've got some great possession receivers. 
But they don't have that guy that just stretches the field, no, no. that strikes fear in you. So I think once Desai realized that we don't have to worry about a guy running away from us, a guy beating us deep with a double move, that most of the routes that they run, they're intermediate routes. They're, they're uncovers, they're option routes, corner routes, in routes, little short stuff that you can keep in front of you. Then he realized that he can go ahead and get be aggressive, you know, with these wide receivers and, and challenge them at the line of scrimmage. I would submit to you that they need to play like that more often, yeah. even if you yeah. got a guy that can stress the field. As, and I'm not saying all the time. It's just like my position on blitzes. I'm not saying blitz all the time. What I'm saying is that you have to bring pressure, even when you're getting pressure with your front four. And sometimes you got to play up and challenge people at the line of scrimmage. And sometimes, you know, you got to play off. Like, I was really upset on the, on the Puka Nakua touchdown. Bradbury got up and pressed. If you're going to get up and press, then put your damn hands on the guy, okay? There's no sense of getting up and press and then open the gate and letting the guy run by you and you don't touch him to impede his route and then he runs right by you and now you're out of phase, you're out of position. If you at least get your hand on him to reroute him a little bit, now you can get in position, you can get in phase with him, and now you're in position to stop that touchdown. But he just got up open the gate, and let the guy run right by him. And I'm like, what's the point? If you ain't going to put your hands on him, get your ass back. Excuse me. All right, Mark Farzetta is going to join us uh, in a little bit because lost in the shuffle here is a great game that Jalen Hurts had. I mean, he really had a great game, and we're talking about the defense, so we'll explore that when we come back. Farzi joins us after this. It is the Pond La Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino, and we're back after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling. Asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. 
Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Welcome back to the uh, Pond the Hockey Eagles postgame show live at Ocean Casino. Eagles win it 23-14, to 14, and they, uh, like, they apparently they watched the Phillies last night because they pitched a shutout in the second half, which is amazing when you talk about a quarterback uh, like Matthew Stafford. Uh, so joining us right now, uh, of course, uh, and, and I, I want to let you know that John McMullen will join us live from SoFi Stadium coming up in a bit. He's, he's, he's roughing it out there in Los Angeles. He'll join us for a segment. But right now, let's welcome in our man, Mark Farzetta, brought to us by First Trust Bank. The player you can count on today, Mark, has to be, well, uh, I'm thinking it could be the quarterback, Jalen Hurts, even though we're talking about how great the defense was. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jalen Hurts delivered today. I mean, there was an interception, obviously, he had at the one-yard line, ended up being a touchback there given to the, the Rams, and he had a great game. Jalen Hurts, he did a great job today really surveying the field and doing exactly what he needed to do, both with his arm and with his legs. And I think one of the biggest differences we've seen from Jalen Hurts so far this year is his ability to now stand in the pocket and make throws downfield. But the guy I got to go with, Mike, is a guy we were calling for in the pregame show, a guy you could certainly bank on, and I feel like they could have banked on him more to this point. Dallas Goddard came into the game today with 88 receiving yards, and he tops that in one game. Did better today than what he did in the previous four. He has been a guy they could bank on in the run game, and today he got to show off what he could do to help the passing game of the Philadelphia Eagles. That's the man I'm going to go with today, well, Dallas Scott. It's a pretty good choice, and uh, I like it. Uh, but uh, let's talk a little about Hurts here because we haven't really talked about it. He accounted for 375 yards today. All right? He threw for, for uh, uh, 295. He rushed for 72 more. Now, there were I, I didn't like a couple of those design running plays of his. Uh, the scrambles are fine, but they did have him carry the ball in, in a couple of weird situations where uh, they allowed him to get banged up. Uh, but the interception that he threw, Seth, it looked like he checked again the single coverage. He seems to get himself in trouble when he checks that single coverage, looking for AJ with the AJI, and uh, Witherspoon picked him there. Um, and he got into a confrontation on the sidelines with well, a little heated discussion with the head football coach. <laughs> we were talking about this, and, and D Gun's going, "You can't talk to." Can't talk to players that way anymore. You got to smooth their feelings out. Oh, yeah. And you're going, no, oh, he deserved to have his butt chewed out in that situation. Hey, listen, man, I, I'm, I'm old school, so I'm never going to be opposed to a coach giving his player, holding his player accountable, you know, because I know I've been around a lot of great players, you know, in my career. Show me a great player that doesn't want to be coached hard, and I'll show you a player who doesn't want to be great, plain and simple. You know, and if you if I'm going to lose a guy as a coach because he gets in his feelings because I get on him, well, he can come on over and sit next to me, you know, especially in today's game, because in today's game, you're playing, you know, sometimes two, three deep, you know, for for rotational purposes. And if he's got a problem with it, that's his problem. No, no. But you got to pick your spots, though. 
No, you absolutely. See, Jay, a guy like Jalen, you can do that to. I understand. No, he's that. been used to being Coach Hart his whole life, right? Listen, you, you won't be able to do that to a guy like AJ there's, Brown. There's no doubt about it. In that situation, he deserved, you know, to get his behind you just because you're in scoring position already. You're on the 20 yard line, and you make that check. All you got to do is just run the offense. And I'm pretty sure Nick was like, okay, you checked last week at the end of the game. You scored a touchdown, but you give them another possession. They come back and tie the game. We got to go into overtime. Okay, I covered for you. I said that, you know what, there's never a time where I'm upset with my quarterback for scoring touchdowns, okay? That was clearly a cover for Jalen Hurt. Now he gets down the red zone this week, and he checks, okay, and he throws the interception. Maybe he's telling them, all right, let's rein in these checks a little bit. And there's nothing wrong. He probably made the right check. He just threw a bad ball, and sometimes that happens. d gun. Come back at him because you were, you know, you're, I know you were being facetious probably about the, about no, the whole no, thing no, about no. players getting chewed out on the sidelines. Right? No, because uh, I've talked to so many friends of mine who are former players, and I jokingly asked them, why are you not coaching in the NFL? And in unison, they all say, man, I can't coach these players nowadays because they were from Seth's era where a coach treated you the same, where everybody got chewed out and everybody got, you know, accolades when, when they were called for and a lot of former players would tell me nowadays you need 53 individual psychologists to coach these players nowadays. And it's true. You know, some players, think about it. You yell at them, they shut down. You think about this. Think about, think about this. Think about what Diggs went through this summer. And we still don't know the whole scenario with Diggs. All of a sudden, he's with the team. He's away from the team. Your franchise quarterback, Josh Allen, comes out and says, oh, I think we need to include him more in certain things. What? He's one. He's a paid employee. He gets treated like everybody else. That's too commonplace in today's game. There are phenomenal athletes in today's game of football, and I will go so far as to say, I know I'm going to create a stir when I say this. I will say today's athlete, just in terms of athleticism, is more athletic than than the football players of 15, 20 years ago. I would agree with that. T- you do? Yeah, I do. Oh, man, I thought I was going to have to call oh, the bodyguard. Yeah. You're going to oh, use man. the word athletic. He's probably thinking the word tough. No, no, no. Right? No. no. I, think I, they're I, men- I think the players today are mentally softer than yeah. when he played. No yeah, doubt no about that. But I think they're more athletic uh, no than question. when he played. But, but you guys, look it's at the, an evolution. Look at the 40 times that the, the oh, players are running. You got linemen running four, athletic. five, yeah. four, six. So, yeah. Well, yeah. listen, I, I don't ascribe that kind of stuff as athletic. What I say, when, 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 I say, when I say athletic, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, and they have more knowledge, okay? They don't know how to apply the knowledge the way that we did in my day. They're better athletes. But the brand of football that you're seeing, like if you took, if you took my Eagles defense and you inserted it in today's off today's NFL, even if you took away the the aggressive hitting, we would dominate them because we outfought those players. Like, you know, I, I would probably have 200 tackles in a season. I'm, I'm I'm serious. Are we playing by your rules or are we playing by today's rules? It's but not even. Uh, my point is, it's not even the rules. Mm. Okay, like listen, I've been in an NFL camp before. Okay, so I went in and did an internship. When I got there, they gave us one of these things. Okay, yeah. yeah. So they said everything you need is on here. Okay, the, the the playbook is on here. The game plan will be on here. All the video and everything. By the time you get off the field, when practice is over. Every individual period and every, every period of practice will be uploaded on here. 
So as I'm sitting in meetings, I'm, I'm watching these kids come in, and all they have is this. They reach in their backpack and they pull out this, okay? So they're living a life on this. I grew up with this and this, okay? So this allowed me, this allowed me to see what I needed to see, but this allowed me to remember what I studied, okay? So when, when a team came out down in distance, part of the field, um, offensive formation and personnel, I could almost tell you what they were going to run situationally. These guys today, they don't know what the hell they're looking at. You're writing it down in your little notebook there. So here's the thing. We don't write anymore. Nobody writes anymore, right? Everything is. Yeah, so they're not going to take the notes. So so two things. If I was a coach in today's NFL, don't come in my meeting room if you don't come in here with a pen and a piece of paper. All right. Turn around and get out. All right. I'm glad you said that. That, That's the first thing, okay? The second thing is. What's it? The the second thing is by the time we get to the end of the week, when I'm questioning you in meetings, Okay, I'm going to hand you a dry eraser. Get up here on the board and tell me, explain to me what it is that the offense is doing and how we're going to attack it defensively. Now, I'm going to teach you and show you how to do it, but I need you to show me that you understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. So now I make them apply, not only based upon what they've studied and what they've seen through film study, but now you can show me on the whiteboard what's actually going on. Now you're starting to play football. All right, so I, I got two questions for you. Number one, based on what you just said, how are you delivering that message to players of today? Are you using it in, in, a, in an emotional, passionate, Seth-joining voice, the way he was taught to play the game back when you played the game? Or are you using a different approach to getting your message across. Oh, I can mix it up. I, I appeal to what it yeah. is, D-Gun. I appeal, yeah. I appeal to what it is that they want. You right, understand what right, I'm saying? Right, right, right. Because my question is, if you're my starting linebacker, Mike, if right. you're my starting linebacker, my question at the beginning of OTAs, how great do you want to be? How good do you want to be? Okay? If you tell me you want to be great and you tell me you want to be good, this is what we have to do in order for me to get you there. Right, right. As long as I understand what it is that you want to do, right. now you show me the commitment that this is what you want, that, that your words are going to match up with your actions, okay? And then I'm going to give you the tools and everything that you need to be successful. So say I'm the head coach and I call you in the office because some players are saying that Seth Joyner is being a little too tough the way Eric Bieniemy got called on the carpet this summer or in training camp because players are grumbling about him being too tough trying to get them to learn his system. So if a head coach looks you in the face today, it's, what, I mean, you got to be shocked if some coach says that to you. What did Ron Rivera say? Ron Rivera said, hey, this is the way we're going to do things. And they started off, what, 2-1? 2-0. Yeah, then, oh. then they started off 2-1, 2-0? Two yeah. Two, two, two and oh. yeah. Okay, so you can't, you can't argue with success. You can't argue with success. Look at some of these teams that, that haven't won a game or that, that are like two, three games below, below 500. Right. I guarantee you the, the, the coaches are allowing the players to run the situation, and that's why they're not winning. You looked at Nick Sirianni today. He was on one today all game yeah, long. Yeah, he was. Okay? Because he realizes that the crux and the meat of this schedule is right Coming around up. the corner. That's right. And I've got to get these guys ready now because you're not going to play – Miami, San Francisco, Buffalo, Dallas twice. Yep. You're not going to play these teams, Miami. Miami. You're not going to play these teams yep. and have success with us continuing to play the way that we play. You know, so it takes a coach 
that will hold his players accountable. It's not me chewing their behind the gun. It's me holding them accountable to them telling me that this is what I want. No, no. I want to be the best player that I can be. I want to. I, I, we want to win a Super Bowl. Well, if we want to win the Super Bowl, and I'm the head coach, and I'm telling you how to get from point A to point B. Right, right. You do what I'm telling you. No, to no, do. I'm not saying you chewing it, but I'm saying speaking with the passion that I know a Seth Joyner will speak with. <laughs> That's all I'm oh, saying. He'd still speak with that. Yeah, I'm saying. No, I'm saying. He'd but nowadays, some of these kids get offended by this he's not stuff. Get softer. No, I, I no, think, today, I think today was but, the but, best example. Today was the best example of why Nick Sirianni is a good coach because Jalen Hurts loves this kind of coaching. If you had confidence in Jalen Hurts after last year not turning into Carson Wentz, it was because of the mental yeah. makeup that he has as a quarterback. Mark, Mark, and Mark. on the other side of it, you could also look at a guy like Quez Watkins. What did Nick Sirianni say in preseason? What did he say in training camp? Oh, this guy, Quez Watkins, he's uh -huh. great. He yeah, coached he him up. He butted him up. He, he was did. that soft, sweet talker that whole time. And then today what happens? He doesn't follow his blocks, and he chews them out. I That's think, why Nick Sirianni is a coach. I think the dichotomy, though, is like he, he can do – Jalen Hurts is more receptive to that. Like, mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts is a 45-year-old trapped in a 25-year-old body. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Justin Fields, could you say the same No. No. Because <laughs> he'd throw no, you Justin Fields will shut that. down. You don't know that, though. You don't know <laughs> what, that. Listen. What? Listen. Nick Sirianni understands his football team. You understand what I'm saying? And if he can chew out his starting franchise quarterback, who's making 50-plus million dollars a year, if he can chew him out and hold him accountable, that sends a message to everybody else on the roster yes. that this is how we operate. You either get on board or get the hell off the wagon. But Jalen Hurts is more mature than most 25-year-olds you will ever see. I understand that. The maturity but level is incredible for that young man. I understand it, but it's in the messaging. Because it is, not, it is. Because that conversation was not so much for Jalen Hurts as it was for the 52 other guys. I, I agree. I agree. All right, so uh, a little insight as we're watching the game here. There was a play that Morrow had an interception. And he <laughs> he fumbled. Wait, wait, Mike, do that one. again? What did he do, Mike? That's actually exactly what he did. That was he good. Of, he did one of those. Like, good. Mono stay Pietros, which is hands of stone. And so we go to Seth. Seth, would you have, would you have had that? Seth goes, man, I had 25 interceptions. <laughs> <laughs> Should have had 35. I had 25 Should've. interceptions. <laughs> Should have had You knew the exact amount. You know but you did a lot. You said, I did drop a few. I did. Listen, we all drop a few. But you know what the problem is in that situation? Those opportunities for some guys, you know, they only come around like once a season. Like, he's going to get that kind of situation once this year. He may not get that opportunity again. So what happens is guys get a little overly excited. You know, I, I used to – you know, the coaches and the players I played with, they, they used to walk around and they used to slap the ball out of my hand all the time because I always had a ball in my hand. I was always trying to play catch because I wanted to familiarize my hand with the ball so when it hit my hand, I would catch it. Now, I had my share of interceptions, but I'm telling you right now, I dropped my shares to, as well, getting overly excited about the prospect of intercepting the ball. Like I caught 25, but I probably dropped another 10 to 15. Can you imagine if I caught them all? I'd probably be in the Hall of Fame right now if I well, caught them all. A quick, just a, a quick aside question. What happens to, to linebackers and defensive backs? They're, they're all athletes. They probably were like you where you played offense, you played quarterback, you played running back, whatever, and, and you were an athlete and you were used to catching the ball. What happens to these guys once they get to this level as far as catching the football? They can catch the football. You go through catching drills every day in practice. It's just in the moment you get overly excited 
about the prospect of getting an interception because those opportunities, they're so far and few in between. It's not like a wide receiver. Like, A.J. Brown knows he's going to get 15 targets a game. So everything he does is just, heh, heh, heh. It's, you see how smooth that was? You know, when Wait, a lot. Do, do that again? How'd you do that? Heh, heh, heh. So when a. So, that was pretty good. Yeah, that was nice. That'll be a yeah. gift. That was coordinated, too. So, it was. So, so as a linebacker, sometimes a defensive back, you know, you see a ball coming, you got one opportunity a game. It's like, ah! Well, you know what? Taking into consideration, too, you know, a lot of linebackers, they wear a lot of tape on their hands and stuff. Your hands are sweaty. Or even on a cold day, they're not thinking about catching the ball. You, you know, the ball feels different a lot of times when it hits your hands, too. Man. That happens as well. Now, come on now. It that does. does happen. It does. But with the gloves yeah. with the gloves that these guys play with now, I mean, they're like yeah, Velcro. It's, it's, it's like Velcro when it touches the ball. I mean, you see more one-handed catches now than you ever seen. And that was that's because of the way that the gloves are constructed. So if you can catch the ball, like that ball A.J. caught today, yeah. he caught the, the point of the ball. Yeah, yeah. You know, And most of those one-handed catches, very rarely do you see a guy whose hand is big enough to catch the fat part of the ball. Most of the time, if you can catch the tip of the ball and stop the rotation of the ball and stop the forward progress of the ball, you can one-hand it. But with the gloves that these guys have got now, Come on, man. There ain't no reason to be dropping yeah, them. Yeah. You, you only get a few of those. You better catch and make them plays when you can. Baby. All right. Let's take a quick break. The great Kayla Santiago will join us. What the, the diamond debate coming up and what kind of bling is she wearing today? It is the Pond La Hockey Eagles postgame show with Mike and Derek and Seth. Kayla coming up. Farzi, the whole bang. John McMullen. This show is like got a lot of spokes to it. We're back after this. <laughs> Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey the largest workers' compensation law firm in Pennsylvania. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. Even better, Pondley Hockey doesn't charge a dime until you win. If you've been injured at work, give Pondley Hockey a call. With Liam and Hillary. In the heart of Montgomeryville, Pennsylvania. What you got for us today on your right hand, Hill? Today we've got a right hand ring, Liam. What is that? It's a ring that you would wear on your right hand. That's it? That's all there is to it. Okay. <laughs> it's what? meant to balance your left hand situation or if you're not engaged or married, it says, I'm not engaged or married, but I still have this over here that's sparkly. There's a lot of other ways you can say that. No, well, not if you're trying to wear jewelry. Which okay. one's your favorite? I love this um, Art Deco moment. I mean, with these beautiful baguettes and round diamonds. I mean, who wouldn't say no to one of these? Baguettes are hot right now. People also love an eternity band. It's beautiful. Great for the other hand. That's right. So come on down here. And love grows here at Mark's Jewelers. Every day of the week except Sundays and Mondays. That's because we are close. My name's Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online.
I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Hooters, the perfect pair. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. It is the Pine La Hockey Eagles postgame show. We are live from Ocean Casino in Atlantic City. I'm Mike Nicinelli. You're watching us on 6abc.com and also the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, the Eagles win 23-14 with an amazing second-half defensive adjustment, which completely shackled uh, uh, Matthew Stafford, who went wild in the first half with Puka Nakua and uh, Cooper Cup, who was back for the first time. But it is now time for... Kayla's Diamond Debate is brought to you by Mark's Jewelers. Wednesday night, October 11th, this Wednesday, the grand opening of Mark's Jewelers' massive new store in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. Check that out. Here is Kayla Santiago joining the panel with the Diamond Debate. Hello, Kayla. What are you wearing tonight? Well, I would definitely check that out because there's fantastic jewelry. We've had gold, we've had some pearls, and tonight we've got great silver jewelry. We have these inside-out diamond hoops that actually come in silver, white, and black as well. This beautiful pearl ring, this double-layer necklace, and how about this bracelet? Absolutely stunning in this silver. Everything that you guys need and more can be from our friends at Mark Jewelers, just like you guys need a Dallas Goddard to get started in this game and to get even better in the game plan. And that's exactly what he was able to do. 117 yards in this game, the most on the season so far for him. But we still have to focus on the offense at the red zone. You guys mentioned this earlier in the show. They came into this game 42% converting in the red zone. Probably a little bit less now that they weren't able to do so great tonight. Seth, I'm going to start with you. Put yourself in Brian Johnson's shoes. What do you do? Do you stop Jalen Hurts from running the ball so much in the red zone? Do you run it a little bit more with Swift and Gainwell? How do they stop this? Because every single game going forward is not going to be made up of field goals every single week. Well, I think a lot of it, Kayla, depends on, you know, how the defense is playing you. So, you know, they had a tight formation on one run play down in the red zone where they ran Jalen Hurts, and they had everything kind of bunched up. You know, that's an opportunity to go play action pass and throw the ball to your six foot five, you know, tight end mm -hmm. on a jump ball rather than trying to run your quarterback. Why? You know, you, you've got guys that are on the edges that are responsible for guys in man to man coverage. And when they look up and they see that those guys are blocking, they become they insert themselves in the run game. So why not just go play action pass or you, you got running backs? I'm getting tired of seeing Jalen Hurts 
running the football on these quarterback sweeps, even though he has some success with it in certain situations today. In tight situations like the red zone, I don't want to see my quarterback have to run the football. I want to use running backs to run the football. You can run jet sweeps, you know, with these with these wide receivers that you have. I would much rather see that than to watch Jalen Hurts continue to have to run the ball in the red zone. And like I said, you know, you got a big body in A.J. Brown that when he runs a slant route, it's 100%, you know, efficiency because that young, those small DBs can't get around him. So if they're outside technique, that's, that's an automatic. You got Dallas Goddard that you can run, you know, from attached positions on a, on a corner route and throw it high and let him jump up over guys. There's so many other options you have than what they're doing with Jalen Hurts. I, I thought they question, a couple of the calls were questionable. Mm-hmm. They, they ran him up the middle on a keeper where I, where I thought that was a needless call. Uh, and then on a, on a third and two, they had a flat pass to Quez Watkins, which was stopped. I, I don't think that they were, they were zeroed in on, on great calls uh, in the red zone there. And you got to know your personnel. That route that you throw to Quez, he ain't catching that ball. If you can cut my hands off and put it on him, he ain't catching that ball. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Dang. You went right for the jugular, did you? Hey, listen, that, what, did, I say, did I say anything that wasn't true, D? I'm pulling for you, Quez. <laughs> I don't care what he says. <laughs> but, 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 Kayla, you're, you're right. It is, it is a, it's got to be a concern that they're not scoring touchdowns down there. Uh, I, I, it can't be the personnel because they're moving the football. But, so uh, I think you got to just study the play calls a little harder on, on what, you, what works down there. Do you think this falls a little bit more on Jalen Hurts going forward to figure out this offense and push it? Is it Brian Johnson saying, listen, we need to figure this out? Because there's going to be games, guys, where you can't just settle with Jake Elliott and field goals. You might need to score that game-winning touchdown or go up by six and seven. What is the answer here? Does it happen next week? Is it more Brian Johnson? Or do you think that Jalen Hurts could take some fall here? I think it takes more in-depth research. I understand Brian Johnson is trying to put his signature on this offense. But why are you continuously putting your quarterback in harm's way? I don't care how strong he is. You know, he's still a quarterback, and you got guys running full board trying to take that quarterback out because more times than not, with his ability to get out on the perimeter and step up and juke and make you miss or his leg strength alone to bull over you, that's demoralizing to a defensive player. And it only takes one good shot. Ask some of the other quarterbacks, franchise quarterbacks in the league, DeMar Jackson, Josh Allen. You know, uh, they've taken a lot of unnecessary shots and missed a lot of unnecessary time under center as well. Uh, to, 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 to what Seth is saying, you have way, many, too, way too many offensive options on this team, too many Pro Bowl caliber options on this team, from two front-line receivers to a power running back now to a change of pace running back with a Kenneth Gamewell to a DeAndre Swift to a tight end who doesn't have the numbers but is still one of the top five tight ends in the game. You have way too many options to worry about your quarterback running quarterback draws up the middle too many times and not. Because that one particular play, he stepped out. Seth and I thought he twisted his ankle and thought his knee buckled mm-hmm. on the one play when he was tackled from behind. Luckily, he got up, continued to play. But, you know, you, you see that too often. I don't want to see that anymore with this kid. There's going to be times when he has to run out of necessity. I don't want to see all these quarterback draw plays to him. And I know I said last week that I don't want to see Kenny Gamewell as much, but I think in this game it would have been nice, especially in the red zone, to see a little bit more of the running backs at DeAndre Seth and Gamewell as well. But they they used Gamewell as the power back when they tried to convert uh, third and short. They had a third and two there before the play to to Quez Watkins. What play was I calling for? What play was I calling for there at third and two? 
I don't know. Often. Remember you the tush push. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they get three yards every time yeah. they run the tush push. Well, it's unbelievable. And and there was a not stat. at the end of the game though. Well, yeah, but they Their did. Con- they down did convert the touchdown on a tush push, and in the in the, the last few seconds of that first half, the, the TV said they were ninety three percent on that play. When ha- like where's not? I've seen it stopped once. The whole time they tried it, that's got to be more ninety-three percent, right? Well, because I think there were times they tried it on third down, they didn't, they didn't get it, and then they came back on second down, on fourth down, and actually completed it. I, I, listen, my, my thing is, you've got such a dominant defensive line, um, and they're going to continue to do this, and then they're going to mix it up with a little bit of, you know, what they did last week. They tried it twice last week, where. <laughs> They lined up for the tush push. They packed it in so much that Jalen pulled it out and ran. Tried it. One time he ran around the end and it didn't work. The second time he ran around the end and made a first down. You're going to start to see more and more of that as they continue to pack it in. Um, but I just think that, you know, you got running backs for a reason. You know, and Kenneth Gainwell has proven over the last couple of weeks that he's willing to take that ball and hit the hole 150 miles per hour, you know, and get that two or three yards you know, if necessary. And, and I think they need to use him more to do that if he's willing to, to hit the hole that way. Here's my biggest concern with Jalen Hurts, and, and luckily it hasn't happened yet. Look at a quarterback like Anthony Richardson of the Colts, 6'4", mm-hmm. 250 pounds. He's already missed one game because of a concussion. He gets slammed today, possibly separated shoulder. He's going to be out extended time. Now, this man is 6'4", 250 pounds, okay? Jalen is a strong quarterback, probably has the – the, the strongest lower body strength of any quarterback in the National Football League, but he is also susceptible to taking unnecessary shots. Why continue to put him in harm's way like that? You know, and Anthony Richardson runs like that because he doesn't have close to the weapons a Jalen Hurts has. Jalen Hurts has multitudes of weapons to choose from. Nick Sirianni, multitude of weapons to choose from in situations like that. Utilize them. That's what they get paid for. And I don't want to see Jalen get hurt because, yes, he has a lot of weapons, but we saw what happened last year when you take Jalen out of the equation and it's nothing good. But I want to switch over to the defense real quick. The Sean versus Sean battle tonight was won by Sean Desai. Fantastic work, especially those second-half adjustments. You guys alluded to it earlier on the postgame show as well, but what was the biggest difference in that second half? And do we see these game changes as good as they were today going forward? Where's your confidence in Desai right now if you had a scale of 1 to 10? Mm. I just think that it's a simple fix. It's always been a simple fix. Mix up the times where, you know, you play your cornerback and your defensive backs more aggressively and where you play them more passively. I think the more times that you just line up and you give a passive, you know, posture that offensive coordinators begin to look at what you're doing and they say to themselves, well, this is the way that they line up. Mm-hmm. So if this is what they're going to do every, in a predictable way, then we know what we can get every single time. Now all of a sudden you got guys that are up. And when guys are up, all of a sudden, you know, you got a mixture of outside technique and inside technique and, you know, doubles coming that, you know, right, that, that, right. that you might not be able to see and combo coverages that may look like you're in man, but you're actually bringing a zone pressure. You got all of these different things to make a quarterback and an offensive coordinator think about. But when your posture is more aggressive, now you give the quarterback, the offensive coordinator, and, and all the players across the boards, especially the wide receivers when you know they got to throw it, you give them more to think about. Okay, how are we going to offense this? How are we going to figure out a way to beat this? You know, Because we know that they're coming with a pressure that we can't pick up. The quarterback's got one read and one read only, and he can't run. 
So he's either going to have to throw it away or he's going to have to make the perfect throw. That's a 50-50 proposition. I love to have a quarterback in that scenario every single time. Yeah, I thought they got a little more aggressive in the second half. Obviously, they pushed up a little bit. They were really giving them cushions in the first half. I think uh, the pressure combined with uh, the, the getting more aggressive uh, with their uh, defensive backs, I think, were really uh, helpful today. And, uh, you know, uh, since the Jalen Carter, we talk about him every week, right? But he had two sacks today, two, two more sacks, and he was beating beating that Man. center up. The center went out for the backup center in there today, and that was no fun. He gone, you know when he's, most, when he's most dangerous, though? What? When he's most dangerous is in an obvious pass rushing situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when he's got a – sometimes on first and second down when he's got a read, you know, whether it's run a pass and then get to the quarterback, he yeah. might be a little late getting there. But when he knows that he's in pure pass rushing mode, you can't block this kid. That one quarterback sack he's, he had. The his, first one. His oh, no, burst, the no, the second one. Oh, my he, God. Where he shot through the middle. His burst off the snap is incredible for a man of that size. I don't even think the offensive line barely touched him. He certainly didn't get up and get in his stance quick enough. Well, he wham blocked him. He just, huh? He wham blocked him. No, he got wham. That lineman got wham. <laughs> That's what happened. He, he got wham. I don't think he realized how quick Jalen Carter was. Yeah. I don't think Stafford realized. You can look at players all you want on film. But until you actually see them in game situations, you can't get a true gauge exactly for exactly what you're looking at. Well, it's the speed and the power. Yeah. You know, yeah. he pops up out of his stance. He gives a head fake. The guy leans in. Wham. He whams him down, and he's gone before you even yeah. know it. Yeah. And as, a, as, as an offensive lineman, you know, more times than not, you're expecting the straight-on hand-to-hand combat. But when a guy that size has got that kind of ability where he can beat you one way or the other, a swim move, a wham move, a rip move, a yeah. straight power yeah. move. He's just got an arsenal of stuff that, you know, that most guys don't have. Conversely, Aaron Donald had one solo tackle today. Yep. <laughs> one solo tackle. Yep. The offensive and, line's and, working. And one pressure. I mean, that's just phenomenal to hold him down like that. I think this is easily one of the best offensive lines, if not the best offensive line in the NFL right now. The way that Jalen is able to sit in the pocket and feel so confident the time that he has to throw and say, I can actually see the field, guys. I don't think we've seen that since you started, and it's good to see. It's led by Jason Kelsey, but right now they're giving the best defenders on that line in the NFL a problem each and every week. I will say this, Kayla. To me, it's an evolution of Jalen Hurts because Mm -hmm. I think last year we began to talk about it in pre- and post-game. There were times where he ran the ball. There was time where he made plays on the move, and there were times where he stood in the pocket and he made plays from the pocket. And I said then, this quarterback is dangerous because he can beat you in a multiple of ways. But this is what I expected, how I expected the season to start, Deep Gun, yeah. is watching Jalen Hurts operate more from the pocket and dominate from the pocket as a pocket passer and only use his athleticism and run and move when he has to. You know, I don't want to see him running around. If you can operate your offense that efficiently, like that first drive, come on, 12 plays, 75 yards, he was so efficient on that drive. Tell me why in the world you can't do that every single series. Mm. I don't want to see my quarterback running unless the play is broken down and he's trying to make something happen. Other than that, play him from the pocket. Let him operate from the pocket. And and if if you want to get spicy with it, you know, go some misdirection out of 12 personnel, which they ran a lot in the first half, D-Gun. Right, right. The, the, um, the bootlegs, you know, that really got Dallas got it going early. 
you can run some of that and get him on the move, but he's proven it. He can play the game from the pocket and be efficient from the pocket. You don't have to put him in, in harm's way. You I, really I, don't. I do believe Jalen has been more deliberate with his running. You know, we've talked about does he look slower. I just think he's more cautious, more deliberate with his running to protect himself, and I'm sure he's been coached up that way from Sirianni and Desai. Uh, uh, Sirianni and, Bra- and Brian Johnson basically tell him, look, we need you for a full 17 games. You see the schedule we have in front of you? We can't have any fluke injuries like we had just a year ago. Make sure you take care of your body. I think he's done a better job of getting down. Of course, a couple of times he juked the defender and picked up ex- uh, extra yards uh, in, in his game today. But I think for the most part, he has done a better job of being more calculated outside of the quarterback draw plays. When he's had to scramble because he's been forced to run, I think he's much more calculated than we've seen him in the past. All right, that was our Diamond Debate. Thank you, Kayla. Coming up, we're going to do our two-minute drill and also the famous John McMullen joining us live from SoFi Stadium. That is coming up on the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino. Back at the desk. Passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first. <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, go first. and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best 
E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Welcome back to the uh, Honla Hockey Eagles postgame show. We are live from Ocean Casino in Atlantic City. Thanks for watching us on 6ABC.com and the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Jalen Hurts today accounted for 375 yards, 72 rushing on 15 carries. A little bit too much carrying the football 15 times, but 25 of 38 for 303 was sacked one time today. Um, so the Eagles really systematically took control of this game at 23 to 14 because their defense pits the shutout uh, in the second half. It is time now for the Dry Tech two-minute drill brought to us by Dry Tech, and uh, it's this rapid-fire analysis from and Mark Farzetta back with us from the gang here. So let, let me start with this one here. Because the key to me, obviously, was the second-half defense and, and also the way they controlled the football. Are you guys on board for a lifetime contract for Jeff Stoutland? <laughs> because like, what, what he did today was he had one guy he wanted to focus on. Okay, don't let that guy lose. And that was Aaron Donald. We're good enough to handle everybody else. In fact, Van Valkenburg was the only guy that got stacked today. That guy puts together amazing game plans for his offensive linemen every week. I think the Eagles have made it very clear they would like to give him a lifetime contract because they keep renewing him every four years. And kudos to the Eagles organization for the way they treat their coaches and their players because he doesn't want to go anywhere else. He's had other offers to go other places, even back to college, to coach offensive lines and maybe become an assistant head coach. You know, we know, Mike, a lot of coaches, once they build up a certain amount of credibility, they like to pursue that next level, which is to become a Jeff How a, a, a head coach. Jeff Stoutland is secure in who he is. He is one of the best offensive line minds in the game today. He's, he's secure in who he is, and he's well paid for it. He doesn't want to do anything else. They put the tag on him, you know, a running run coach also as well. But basically, his forte has been offensive line, and nobody does it better in the game today than Jeff Stoutland. That's why Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie will do everything within their power to keep this man within his organization until he decides when he wants yeah, to retire. No, we, we know how much head coaches make. How much does a great offensive line coach like Jeff Stoutland make? At least, People want to know. At least three and a half, four in his case. Three and a half, four, which is a lot of money three, for an offensive three line Three and a half, 400,000. No, million. million. Man, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about, three and four? This is not 1982. <laughs> He's really making $4 million as an offensive he, line coach? If you're identified as the best, you look at what head coaches are making nowadays. I never thought I would see head coaches making above $10 million a year. Did you? No. Okay. Now, so so if you have if you have the best offensive line coach in the game today, what do you want to do? You want to make sure he's happy, well paid, and never wants to leave your organization. Correct? Yeah. Coordinators years ago, Mike, were making over one and a half. So what is he going to make? That's more than Seth Joyner made as a play. That's a lot. Yeah, Seth Joyner makes that kind of money right hey, now. I never made that much money in a whole in one year. I, I can promise you that. Whatever it is with Jeff Stoutland underpaid anybody yeah, you put really in amazing a, anybody you put in there on the offensive line he turns into a guy that protects the quarterback Opeto was out there today I know he's a veteran I know he's been around a long time doesn't have all that many starts under his belt and he goes out to there and he holds his own Aaron Donald wasn't even a factor one of the great defensive tackles in the game ever had one pressure and one tackle today it's just phenomenal to me all right you let's continue it, it. does no. here's the question for the panel does Reggie Roby um his acquisition, is that enough now to solidify what they do back there? It all depends on how quickly they can get him and keep him in shape. I think that, you know, the experience, the knowledge, 
you know, that he brings to the table um, is a big deal. And it, it, I, th- I, I felt like it was a game changer going into the game, and it proved to be one in the second half of this football game. Um, By the way, his name's Bradley. Yeah. Now, Re- Reggie was a punter. Yeah, Reggie, <laughs> <was> <laughs> Reggie Roby was yeah. a punter. Yeah. Bradley, Bradley Roby, my so bad. There, so there's a lot of, um, you know, D-Gun had the, the pregame, you know, quote of the day. He said, you know, is Bradley Roby playing, playing today? And, you know, he got the text that said, yes, he's playing, limited. He's out of shape, but he's playing, you know. And they put him on a pitch count, and I thought he did well. Now they got to figure out how to get him in shape so he can play a whole game rather than just a half a game. Um, but, you know, t- to your point about Jeff Stoutland, I know you asked another question. I just wanted to go back no, to go that. Ahead. I just wanted to go back to mm-hmm. that for a second. What Jeff Stoutland is, is he's a bona fide old school coach. And being a coach is, is not just about the X's and O's of the game, but it's about having the wherewithal and the ability to, to know how to coach players to do what it is that you ask of them and what you want them to do. So it's one thing to hand a player a, a playbook or a game plan. It's another thing, you know, to teach it. And it's yet another thing to show them how, to, how you want it executed. Yeah. Because some coaches can't do that. They can just give you the game plan and tell you how they want it done. They can draw it up on a board, but they can't physically tell you when you're not getting something done why you're not getting it done, what step you didn't make or where you didn't place your hand or how you didn't get your body placed the right way. Jeff Stoutland is a master at that, and that's one of the reasons why he can take a guy that's a seventh-round draft pick, never having played football in his life before, and four years later turn him into a $50, $60 million player and one of the best left tackles in all football. You know That's why he can take guys that have been cast off from other organizations as guys that can't play and can't get it done and turn them into guys that can be effective players, whether they're starters or or, or backups. The Eagles have had some pretty notable offensive line coaches, right? The old school guy that was back in the day. Howard Mudd. Howard Howard Mudd, yeah. Howard Mudd, who turned Kelsey, really. Yeah. Kelsey was his Kelsey still refers to him as a – I guess you got to give some love to Juan Castillo back in the day before they flipped him to defense, right? Trey Thomas still sings his praises to this day. There you go. Everything Juan Castillo brought to the table, certainly. All right. That's, uh, I want to get this in for Seth's uh, viewpoint because Seth is a big Britton Covey fan. And uh, so today, Seth, your, your man came through again. He had a 20-yard return and a two, two punt returns today for 35 yards. We always look at that standard, D, what's a good punt return? Right? He, he's right yeah. now exceeding yeah. it, right? So yes, Seth, he is. Seth, sing, sing your man's praises. I want to hear it. Hey, listen, we talked about forever, you know, and people have outwardly spoke about, you know, why is Britton Covey even on an NFL roster? You know, the kid plays with his hair on fire. And, you know, D. Gunn is worried about him, you know, getting hurt because of how he runs and how he doesn't protect himself. You know, for a guy that's not supposed to be in this position, he's doing everything he can to maintain this position. And the special teams are getting better. The coverage teams are are 10 times better than they were last year. And now all of a sudden, these guys are starting to block for Britton Covey, and he's rewarding them, you know, with a nice average uh, on his punt returns. You know, and my prediction before the season's over, he's going to bring one back to the house. And you're going to owe me. You're going to owe me. We have a $20 bet on this. Yeah, and I got, got, you know, five to one odds. 
five to one odds. Five to one odds. Yes. Yeah, so, no, I got five. Oh, you have five to one. No, I got five I had to one. The <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Let me see the contracts. <laughs> I'm I'm in for a hundo <laughs> one. Look, 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 look. Good bet for me. look I know I joke. I, I hey, listen, you, you you don't like the guy, so you should give no, me never, five to one. Like, it's like the guy. We're we're, we're afraid he's going to get broken. Look, I understand apart. that, but I, you I joke. Listen, I joke about. Gonna, hold on, hold what? on. He says that there's no way in the world that Britton Covey's going to score a touchdown. I'm saying that. Oh, he, I didn't say that. I'm, I'm, no, I'm saying. I'm saying that he will. Okay. Okay. I, I'm not going that so, far. So if you believe that much, then you should give me five to one odds. Look at how he tries to change the bet. Two weeks ago, he he's got his chest out saying, "I'll give you five to one," and he scores a touchdown. Now, now all of a sudden. He's Is that true, Mr. Joiner? <laughs> yeah. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Uh, <laughs> look, here, here's what I say about here's what I say about Kobe. I know I joke about him a lot, but here's my concern with him. I think he runs too upright. He doesn't get down to protect his body when when the coverage is converging on him. I.e., he took an unnecessary shot, got himself a concussion, missed a game. If he and he's a smaller guy, you got to learn to protect yourself in situations like that, especially when you don't have a wall of blockers usually in front of you, and you have a coverage team that's converging with four or five guys coming at you from different angles. And I just think he's taking way too many hits. I am not going to say that I do not believe that he could take one to the house this year. I think if the cards are aligned right, I would love to see it. I think that would be his shining moment as a professional football player. I think his story of how he got to the NFL. How he has stayed here is a, is a great story. It's one of those rags to riches type stories. Nobody expected anything of him, and yet here he is for a second year with the Philadelphia Eagles. D-Gun, he's exceeding expectations yes. based upon how long he's been here. That's the first thing. The second thing is he doesn't have the luxury of being protective. Right. He's got to throw caution to the wind because he's not a guy – this shifty that's got all these moves that can make the first three guys miss. Right. He doesn't even have top end speed. Well, then know? how's he going to take it to the house? Because if, without if top end speed, blocking because blocking. because if guys block the way that they're supposed to block, every time that you've seen a punt return or a kick return, it's up to the it's up to the punt returner to make one guy miss, and that's usually the punter. And if he can make the punter or the kick or the kickoff guy, if he can make that one guy miss, he's got a shot. If guys are blocking the way that they should be blocking. Mm-hmm. It's right. a man on a man. Uh, I have nothing but love for Brenton Covey. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. What? What? <laughs> Let's go to SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles for the man who covered the game for the Jacob Media. Uh, the great John McMullen joins us. John, this was a, a great win. The pitch is shut out in the second half against a seasoned <clears throat> veteran quarterback who riddled you in the first half. It's pretty lofty stuff. Your thoughts? Yeah, it wasn't looking good at halftime. If you guys run back to halftime show, I was not too confident about that secondary uh, after Cooper Cup just shredded their sort of piecemeal plan in the slot, and they end up going out the second half. They gave up 80 yards maybe uh, total. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was the tremendous um, defense, and I didn't see it. He did a lot of credit. I did talk to Slay in the locker room. He uh, he mentioned that because in the first half they they threw first it was Mario Goodrich, then it was Eli Ricks, then it was Bradley Roby, then they went back to Goodrich, back to Ricks, um, and Cup was just killing everybody. And and Slay said, look, we gotta we gotta calm this down. You know, probably a little bit more zone coverage, try to control things. And then they made Matthew Stafford uncomfortable. I think you can go to that 
the one Jalen Carter sack that looked pretty violent, and and that really threw Matthew Stafford off. He was getting the ball out. They put it up here at SoFi. They have the biggest uh, scoreboard in the world. It's unbelievable, by the way, this stadium. Um, he was getting the ball out in 2.24 seconds. So he was hurried. And, and that was the game plan for the Rams because they were worried about this pass rush. Then you see Hassan Reddick be the closer at the end of the game. Um, yeah, they keep, we say it every week, they keep finding ways to win games. 454 yards of total offense. They're over 415 yards, guys, for four consecutive games. Mm. It's, a, it's, only the, it's only the fourth time in, in franchise history they've done that. And they did it last season, and now they've done it again this season. That's how productive this offense is. Hey, John, we got plenty of time to talk about the X's and O's. I want the dirt, man. Did Jalen Hurt talk about the intense conversation at one point he was having on the sideline with uh, Coach Nick Sirianni? Uh, no, I don't think anybody here saw it. So you're, oh. you're, you're, he certainly wasn't asked about it. We saw the, the Quesman stuff. So Nick admitted uh, he was pretty angry about that, doesn't think. Quez uh, uh, turned the football up on the third down. One of the few, they started 11 to 13 on third down, and they should have been 13 to 13 because one was the Quez play, and the other one was Jalen Hurts overthrowing Quez. So he was wide open. So they were extremely effective on third downs until late in the game. Um, but as far as that, no, we didn't know to ask the question. We certainly will. I certainly will this week. Um, you know, but you have that stuff. Uh, in game and Jalen Hurts is known as a, a player that takes hard coaching well so Nick is not afraid to to call him out at times I'm not sure exactly what happened but there was a little bit of frustration I think that the one frustration for this offense is not being able to finish they continued the red zone struggles um, so they're still not clicking on all cylinders, but they got Dallas Goddard involved. A.J. Brown had another big game. As I mentioned, 454 yards of total offense. It's pretty productive for having a lot of problems. Mm. John, I know they like him, but how long can the Eagles continue to continue on with Quez Watkins, you know, as their number three wide receiver? I just, it just seems to me like more times than not, you know, he's not being productive and not doing things the way that he needs to do it. You know, and at some point in time, you got to realize that he's not going to be that guy and move on. Um, Alameda Zacchaeus has been extremely productive in his stead while he was injured. You bring him back today. Yeah, Jalen Hurst overthrew a ball to him, but he hit him with a ball in the end zone that it was clear that that's not the type of ball that you throw to him. He dropped it. And then, you know, you get the third down situation where you got it blocked up, and all he's got to do is use his speed to go straight ahead. And what does he do? He runs outside right into the block, and they, 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 they don't they have to punt the ball on third down rather than converting. Well, I think, you know, I, I talk about this with Jody, all, I think, every day on Birds 365 because he's not a big Wes Watkins guy either. I don't think anybody is in the fan base. <laughs> but, um, it, you know, to me, Quez Watkins is about traits, and, and by that I mean he's a legit 4-3 guy. So in a league of fast guys, he's really fast. And 
he's not a traffic guy. So he's on the field to create spacing for AJ and and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. And that's the role. And they want that speed on the field to create that spacing. Now, you're asking why are you throwing the football to him on bubble screens? That, you know, that I think is more of a coaching problem. You don't have better options on bubbles like that or, or wide receiver screens or third and twos to get the football and cut. Why isn't that, why isn't that DeAndre Swift? So I think that's more of a, a Nick Sirianni, Brian Johnson call. You know, but maybe they want to give uh, Quest some confidence and get him back going in a positive direction coming off the injury. And this is probably, look, he's in the final year of his deal. Um, this is probably his last year in Philadelphia, unless he comes back at a, a you know, at a really reduced number. Um, but while they have him, they want to take advantage of that 4-3 speed. And he's not about the traffic. The traffic today was Dallas Goddard, eight catches and nine targets, 117 yards. A.J. Brown, six and eight targets for 127. Those were the traffic guys today. And although it's esoteric, Quez gives them a little bit more spacing to do their job because you have to respect his ability to run by people. Yeah, but you, it, it's almost like, you know, you're playing 10 on 11, John, you know, because there's going to come a point in time where you're going to need him to make a play. And if it's not one of those situations where he's running wide open down the field and Jalen throws the ball right in the breadbasket, you can't count on him to make those, those plays when they take away everything else and you're going to need him because – Teams are going to get to a point where they're going to take away the main thing, okay? And they're going to force you to have to go to him. And when you can't rely on him to step up and make a play when you need him to make a play, then that's, that's problematic. The, the other thing, too, is how is the Eagles' offense so athletic, so explosive, so dynamic, but they can't run screens to save their lives? If they were a good screen team, <laughs> if, 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 listen, you guys, if they could run screens, they would be unstoppable, but they can't run yeah. bubble screens, running back screens, tight end screens. They can't run any screens effectively. Yeah, they're not a good screen team. Um, you know, the bubble screens drive me crazy. I think it's such, you know, people talk about the tush push or the brotherly shove or whatever you want to call it being an ugly play. I think the ugliest playing football, I've been saying it for years, is the bubble screen. And everybody does it from the Eagles down to the lowest of, of, of college teams. And, and they do it multiple times each game. And look, when you hit everything perfectly and you get the blocks, it can turn into a big play. But more often than not, it's going nowhere. Um, it's just a staple of the modern game. And I wish not only the Eagles would get away from it, but everybody else would get away from it. Maybe except San Francisco because they're successful with it. But they have the type of players that can manufacture those yardage, whether it's Christian McCaffrey or Debo Samuel. So you have to have that player. It's almost like a punt return. And by the way, while I'm on this tangent, D gun, yeah. I don't think Britton Covey could, could could run high if he wanted to. He's like five eight. <laughs> they're probably giving him a couple inches. You're you're but, right. You're right, John. Yeah. But John but but beyond but, that. Beyond be honest, John. He's a moving target. He doesn't. He doesn't get down. Embrace him. I mean, dudes hit them. Pop, 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 pop. You gotta brace oh, yeah. yourself, well, man. He took, 
he took a he took he took a lot of punishment early in his rookie season. But I got to tell you, he's been the best punt returner yes. football since yes. about week ten of last year. He's really good. I don't think people realize. But, you know, if you go back to college, the two best punt returners in his senior year were Marcus Jones and him. Marcus Jones is on the Patriots, was an All-Pro last year, and he leads the NFL in punt returns since about Week Ten of last season. He's actually a really good punt returner. Well, yeah, I fear for his life because he's five eight, 170 pounds, uh, and he takes a. But he's a tough. He's a tough, tough kid. Um, but yeah, the bubble screens. That was my original point. Yeah, I wish they would stick them in the circular file, but. They're not going to do it. John, uh, I was one of the people that was talking to you at halftime there, and neither one of us was very high on what the Eagles were doing in their secondary, trying to defend Cooper Cup, trying to really take away anything from Matthew Stafford. I mean, the numbers just bear it out uh, pretty bluntly there. 95 yards in the first half with six receptions, and then only two receptions with 23 yards in the second half. So you mentioned the personnel the Eagles were throwing in the way of Cooper Cup and at Matthew Stafford. Was there anything schematically they were doing different in the second half because of the chess match that we were talking about on the pregame show between Sean Desai and Sean McVay. Sean Desai won by a huge margin in that second half. Yeah, he did. I'm a little bit surprised that Sean McVay, for his reputation, didn't uh, get Cooper in some better positions in, in the second half. The first thing I would say is, man, he's really good. You, I, I mean... He is such a sharp route runner. He creates so much separation inside compared to other slot receivers in this league. It's pretty amazing to watch uh, in person to see how much room he can generate. And there were a couple deep balls where Matthew Stafford was just hurried, but he was open. And he just made a couple bad throws and didn't give uh, Cooper Cup a chance. If the Eagles pass rush wasn't there, he could have been at 200. That's that's how open he was down the field. Um, so I would say, first off, they're not gonna see that every week. He's that good. But secondly, I think, you know, as I mentioned, I don't think it was a good idea to go Goodrich, Ricks, Roby. I understand Roby's not ready to play the whole game, um, but I would have settled on one of them and said, all right, do your best. Uh, I don't think it to throw that many, you know, they're throwing the kitchen sink and none of them could deal with them. Uh, even Slay got beat on that 39 yard reception. He's just, he's just really good. So I think they settled it down a little bit. They played more zone and they said, Jalen Carter, Hassan Reddick, go get the quarterback. And they did, I think. Jalen Carter's sack, as I mentioned, really turned this game because I think it was such a violent sack. I think it really got Matthew Stafford's head. Hey, John, by the way, um, Britton Colby averaged 12.7 per return last week. You want to know what his numbers were today? 17 and a half yeah, yards per, yeah. per D-gun. Yeah. Why? Hey, hey, why hey, is hey, it hey. about D gun? I told you I'm a fan of Covey. I want to. I don't want to see him get hurt. That's all this I'm. Mike Missinelli. This is 17 and a half this, per. This is the most coverage Britton Covey will ever see. No, he's going. He's going to have 20 yards per return next week. Oh, all right. Right. See, right. now, see now you stretch. I'm okay with you that. Stretch it all now. right, the John. Uh, 
Jalen Hurts, very productive day. 375 passing and running. But 15 carries and a couple of them, uh, a few straight up the middle carries. I'm not so sure I'm in love with that. Uh, Was that asked to to Nick Sirianni that the overuse with uh, Jalen Hurts? He got clipped a couple times hard and and looked like a dangerous hit on his legs. What what are we feeling about 15 uh, carries? Yeah, that was a big story, and so was Dallas. Uh, Nick got asked, both Jalen got asked about the running game. Look, they continue to harp on. Look, it's, it's what the defense has given us. But, you know, it's it's funny. This week it was Dallas Goddard, and, you know, I asked Nick and I asked Brian Johnson, the guy came in with 88 yards receiving in four games, 88 in four games, <clears throat> and all of a sudden, He's got 117 on eight receptions. He caught four passes on the opening drive. And Nick will tell you, and he told me, oh, that wasn't the game plan. It's just the way the ball went. They do this constantly. Week one in Detroit, if you remember, Devontae Smith last season didn't catch a pass. Week two, they throw it to him all the time. A.J. Brown this year. No traffic, week one. Week two, bang. It's all A.J. Brown all the time. Um, They're very cognizant to get these three players involved. And that's why, you know, I I don't care that much about Quez Watkins or Alameda Zacchaeus unless one of those receivers gets hurt. And then you, you can legitimately talk about, well, you need better depth. All right. But it's not like you can have a star waiting in the wings at every position. We're seeing this at slot corner. If, if you have some bad luck, you can't, what I'm trying to say is you can't replace A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. So you could say pie in the sky. Um, I, I wish I had an all-pro receiver sitting on the bench. That's just not the way this league works. You need role players. Um, and the Eagles' offense runs through A.J. Devontae, Dallas Goddard, and those are the players that literally every single passing play is designed to go to, except except for the weird third and two bubble screen at Quez Watkins. <laughs> hey, hey, John, you, were, you mentioned his name a few moments ago. Devontae Smith, shockingly, one catch for only six yards. Is that just yeah, you how know the what game? that means, Steve? You what? Next yeah. week. Next week. You know next what week that means. Quick next catch. week he's next got week. Eight, eight, eight for 135. <laughs> Was that just part of how the game flowed today, or did you know Devontae talk about that at all? Um, Devontae didn't talk about it. but Okay. Yeah, that's what Nick said. That's the way the game flowed. But, I, I, you know, partially jesting. But, no, he will catch seven, eight balls next week, and yep. they will be – very, very focused on getting him the football. They, it's too much of a, a consistent theme with this team to say they don't take that into account. So, well, look, there's progressions on every play, right? So, yeah, some plays are designed. In fact, Nick said on the big Dallas Goddard play, so the one that went for 49 yards, he was the second progression. That ball was supposed to go to Devontae. So some of it, yes, um, you get taken away, and then all of a sudden the ball goes to Dallas Goddard. But I guarantee you, 
he'll have six, at worst, six, seven catches next week. I agree. John, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but you want to know something, man. That, that whole thing about, oh, that's just where the ball went, that's nonsensical. <laughs> because, you know, when, when you want to design well, you you know, plays, from. because um, it's just the truth. When you want to design something a certain way, you can design it that way. You know, it was very evident that it was, it was game plan you know, to get Dallas going early in this game. Yeah. And and, and you guys. And you know what, Seth? I, I asked Nick that question. He gave me a little pushback because I've been asking him that question all week. And he's like, rolled his eyes at me and said, no, that's just the way it went. It wasn't designed. So take it for what it's worth. But, you know, he caught four passes on the opening drive. As I said, coming into this game, and Nick heard it all week, Brian heard it all week. He had 88 yards receiving. That's 22 per game for what is a Pro Bowl-level tight end. And then all of a sudden, he gets the football. 117 yards. He cracked the first four games in almost halftime. Um, yeah, they were focused on getting them the football, yeah, no matter what they say. It's, it's nonsensical because, you know, you said that you guys didn't see it, but there was a little conversation that went on you know, with Nick Sirianni and, and, and Devontae Smith. And just like, you know, when A.J. Brown had his little blow up a couple of weeks back, the first play of the next series, guess who got the ball on the out route? Devontae Smith. Yep. So, yep. you know, when you want to give the ball where you want to get the ball, you can get the ball there. I just would like to see this offense be more diverse because I think it would make it, you know, so much more hard to defense. And, and, and you can't get around it. I mean, A.J. Brown's had, you know, three – 100-yard passing game, receiving yard games, you know, in the last consecutive three games. But think about it, you know, if you got everybody, you got every, when you get everybody involved, think about how much, how much harder it is for a defense coordinator to say, okay, how do we stop this offense, you know? And, and, it's, it, and I get it. You can't stop A.J. Brown right now. He is just eating all over the place. But you can keep everybody happy even though there's only one ball if you can disperse, you know, these these targets in a much more balanced way where Devontae's getting a few and AJ's getting a few and Dallas is engaged and you also got DeAndre Swift and, and Kenneth Gainwell coming out of the backfield. You know, if, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm pulling my hair out at night trying to figure out how I defense that. Well, and I think they're already doing that, to be honest, Seth. I mean, as I said, they're over 415 for four consecutive games now, and that's only the fourth time in history that they've done this in this entire franchise. So, I mean, they're very successful offensively. The one issue is the red zone, which they're still struggling a little bit in. I will say, um, you know, the running game wasn't working at all in the first half. And then mm -hmm. you look up and DeAndre Smith is at 17 for 70. So very respectable. He also, they got him the football, catching the football, six for 38. So he had 23 touches. So you have four guys who need the football. And all of a sudden, you know, all right, how much room is there for Quez Watkins and Kenny Gainwell and Alameda Zacchaeus uh, at that point? But I will say in the passing game, look, as I said, Dallas, eight of nine. Uh, AJ was six of eight. DeAndre was six of six. So those were the three top targets today. And there were only three incompletions when Jalen was, was targeting those three players.
John, I do want to go back to the red zone because you just mentioned it right there, and it is something that is really bothering. I know a lot of Eagles fans. Look, they're five and zero. Everyone's excited that they're five and zero. Everyone's happy they're five. I'm happy they're five and zero. But the red zone against better teams is something that the Eagles are going to have to have a lot more success than what we have seen so far to this point this season. So when it comes to it, is that more on Nick Sirianni's plate, or is that more on the play caller Brian Johnson's plate, or is Brian Johnson even the real play caller in those situations in the red zone? So how do you divide blame, or you know, really give credit? Well, I do. If Brian is calling the plays. I mean, Nick does not want to call the plays. He does not want to call the plays. So um, Brian Johnson's the play caller. Now, they're very collaborative. They do most in, uh, of the work during the week. Uh, Kevin Petulo is involved as well. <clears throat> but um, as far as, you know, Nick talked about it pretty extensively Um he, he considers the problem first and second down more than third down. They're getting in third and longs when they're in the red zone. And obviously, the the space isn't as great. Everything tightens up. And when you're in third and long, you're less effective. Now, they were two of six today, I think, two of five, really, because they were just trying to run out the clock at the end and really weren't trying to score. But... Um, yeah, if they would have punched a couple of those in, uh, this would have been a blowout. The one I think that was, you know, really bad was probably the third and 11 last week to Kenny Gainwell trying to hit the draw play. But, you know, we don't judge, and I'm very honest about this, we don't judge play calling, we judge play results. So, um, you know, sometimes I talk, I used to talk about this with Doug Peterson a lot. You know, sometimes players will bail out coaches. And you know, as a coach, you made a bad play call, but maybe A.J. Brown makes a phenomenal play and bails you out. Um, in the case of Doug, Alshon Jeffrey, or somebody of that nature. Um, and then sometimes you got the perfect play call dialed up for this situation and maybe the left guard misses a block or, you know, Jack Stoll misses a block or Sua misses a block and it gets blown up before you even know the the right play call is there. So it, it's mainly about execution and they haven't been as, as good as they would like to be in the red zone. And they got to get better when they start playing better teams. Um, they will be able to take advantage if the Eagles are settling for field goals. Um, and they understand that. And it probably starts a couple weeks in Miami with against Miami. Um, and then you have San Francisco, Dallas, Buffalo. Those teams are going to have to be better in the red zone or, or it's probably going to come back and haunt you. He is John McMullen covering the game for us uh, from SoFi uh, Stadium in L.A. Are you on the red eye tonight, John, are you going to hang out and have a little L.A. nightlife tonight? <laughs> uh, not much nightlife because my flight is at 6.15 in the so oh, red eye. Oh, yeah. all right. Well, listen, yeah. you know, have a beverage on me. All right, thank you. I got a Bud, I got a Bud Light waiting there on the go. Los Angeles <laughs> Rams, so I thank the Rams for that. Sounds good. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. John McMullen joining us after every Eagles game. All right, so when we come back, we're going to have some updates on a great charity we're involved with and a contest that we're running, pitting all of us against each other with some fan involvement. I'll give you a little hint. 
I'm in the lead. It is the Pond La Hockey Eagles postgame show live. Got to be rigged. You know, That's rigged. That's fake we're, news. That's we're rigged. back with the crew <laughs> after this. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. They're carving them up and good play calling along the way. First and goal at the six. On the field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. The perfect pair. Do you stream on a Roku, a Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. And the big story on Action News. Plus special programming, breaking news, and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on. Always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 on your streaming device. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right, welcome back. It is the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino. I am Mike Misnelli. Eagles win today 23-14. They're a good team, and they control the game on offense and a great defensive effort in the second half. Pitched a shutout against Matthew Stafford, who's kind of shredded them. 
in the first half as we continue the postgame show. Let's bring in Mark Farzetta, extending the play with Mark Farzetta. But, Mark, before we get to who extended the play today, tell us a little bit about the great charity we're involved with here at Jacob Media. Yeah, EBOG does a fantastic job, and we are very much honored to be a part of this to help combat Alzheimer's uh, as well as dementia. And, yes, Mike, as you did point out, if people want to get involved and maybe not vote for you this time, maybe vote for Team Gun, maybe Team Seth, maybe Team Farzy. They could vote for our uh, top golf teams as well by right, texting so tell those. Tell us what they're actually voting on here, Mark. They're voting on our teams in golf to try to beat uh, one of us. Put one of us more so in the lead than Gunner, than Seth, than yourself or me. You could text Team Farzy uh, when you text that to our promo codes. That is Team Farzy, Team Gun with two ends, Team Seth and Team uh, Mike Miss as well. And you guys can take advantage of this when you score for a cure. This is all part of it right now with the big game sweepstakes. You simply text those promo codes that you see right there. You text that to 833-202-9835. That's 833-202-9835 for the big game sweepstakes and courtesy of uh, EBOD as well as Jacob Media. You can find yourself at the big game in February. All right. Well, that's cool. Now, uh, do you happen to know the exact tally I, of this since I'm in the lead? Am I am I swamping the crew here? I, or I, what? I have heard uh, you have a comfortable uh, first half lead. I have a comfortable, comfortable. first half lead, fellas. <laughs> what do you think of that, Seth? Are we actually playing <laughs> golf? Like no, at, no, at, no. At, no, uh, no uh, we're not playing. Top golf. It's top golf. Oh, listen. Whoever's voting for you, they're gonna be sorely disappointed. Well, listen, I got, I need a knee replacement. <laughs> no, I don't hear no excuse. I do. I got. Oh, you just I need sealed, a knee replacement. Hey, listen, he took the bait. He just sealed his fate. He sure did. Well, listen, did. vote for me for sympathy vote. I mean, it's not really. Hey, you sitting over there beating your chest? You gotta no, take the punishment. No, I beat my chest on the contest, not about my golf game. People want to win, so if they want to win, you better start signing up over here. I play golf. He's yes, on injury reserve. Seth. He don't play golf. He fishes, hey. and he got two young babies. Hey, I'm yep. in the Minister yeah. Golf Hall of Fame. I want you to know. Nah, we Seth, playing. Seth off. can play a little bit, but he's a muscle guy, so Top Golf would not suit him. <laughs> hey. You didn't you know? say that when I hit that ball on 18. No, because it was the actual on 17. <laughs> and I needed you to hit it. Uh, Mark, uh, who extended oh. the play today? I, I, look, there was too many to choose from when it came to the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts obviously being one of them. Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown, certainly DeAndre Swift. The entire offensive line was great. But the one play that I thought really changed the momentum of the game, and it had nothing to do with what the defense did to change the, the, the course of the game in the second half. But going into halftime, do you gentlemen realize how difficult this is? Because there was not one three and out in this entire game. This game, the shortest drive play-wise, was a four-play, 75-play drive before the half where the Eagles capped it off with the touchdown. Now, A.J. Brown had a huge catch, 38 yards on that, but tacked on with was uh, two huge penalties on Darian Kendrick of the uh, L.A. Rams, including the one that set up the touchdown for a Jalen Hurts to punch right in, the one that we saw Nick Sirianni scurry down the sidelines to make sure that he had the great view on. I got to go with Darian Kendrick as a guy that extended the play today. Credit to him for helping the Eagles get all the way down the field and score that touchdown. That was a low blow. <laughs> <laughs> That's really a low blow. All right, let's work ourselves into game balls. Since I have the forum here, I will go first. I'm giving my game ball. Seth, I know you're going to agree. D-Guy, I know you're going to Sean Desai gets my game ball today for the defensive game plan in the second half that changed the course of this game where they just completely blanketed the Los Angeles Rams and Matthew Stafford to a goose egg. Sean Desai is going to get my game ball today. Wow, I didn't, I didn't think I, I would ever have to sit up here and agree with Mike Missanelli on a game ball. But 
I thought you were going to go Britton Covey. <laughs> <laughs> Right. No, not until he takes one to the house, like Seth said. Okay, so, yes, right. I am 100% agreement with you, sir. I thought Sean Desai did an incredible job making the necessary in-game adjustments after uh, Stafford was shredding him in the first half, shut that offense down in the second half, held that Rams offense to 100, under 100 total yards. When you do that, you've more than done your job in a day. I've got to give it to Sean Desai. I'm going to agree with you guys with one addendum. I'm going to give the entire defense, which encompasses Sean Desai. Because it's one thing to put a plan in place. It's another thing to get your kids and get your guys to go out there and execute the plan that you put in place. So I'm going to give the entire defense, including Sean Desai, as the defensive coordinator, you know, the kudos for the game ball today. Okay. All right. I mean, I think Sean Desai is uh, – cut above the rest. I think that is the absolute number one game ball. I'll go more specific though when I go on the defensive side of things. I mean, this was a huge game in terms of a challenge for a guy like Jalen Carter without Fletcher Cox being out there, and you heard the guys on the defensive line talking about it before the game, whether it was Brandon Graham, whether it was uh, anybody else, really, even Milton Williams, about their opportunity to step up. And the guy that has been eating all year, and the only guy that has less pressures than Aaron Donald this year is Jalen Carter. And he went out in tonight's game, and in this afternoon's game, and got two sacks in place of Fletcher Cox and was a force from start to finish. So I think the young guy has continued to improve, and now he has the opportunity without Fletcher Cox to prove it, and he goes out and he does yeah. it. You want it, a stat, Farzi? I love stats. So Go everybody, for it. Everybody wanted to talk about how, how, um, how imperative or how important the move to let Javon Hargrave walk away, what difference that would make to this football team. As we sit going into the Sunday night game, the, the uh, Cowboys against the 49ers, Jalen Carter has three and a half sacks. Javon Hargrave has three. Look at that. Go. All right. And they saved themselves a lot of money, too. Yeah, yeah really? We may have shortchanged three offensive yeah. players, including Dallas Goddard with eight catches for 117, and uh, A.J. with another monster game, six for 127. Jalen Hurts. You can say I mean, Reddick. 375 say Reddick. yards he accounted for passing and running. So. Say Reddick also. Reddick came out and had two key sacks and back-to-back plays. The closer. We've been waiting for the coming-out party of Hassan Reddick mm-hmm. all season long. Yep. Finally gets that cast off his hand. Boom. Back to being the guy we expect him to be. Three sacks last two weeks. Not too yep. bad. All right. Game balls brought to us by Colony Pools. Check out online, flywithcolony.com. Let Colony Pools power wash your home, first of all. Everybody needs a power wash, right? But also, this is a season where you're closing your pools. So there you go. Let Colony Pools close your pool. Put that nice green eagle, Kelly green cover on there and, and shut it down for the season. And uh, the kids weep. But, the, you know, unless you have a heated pool, close it down. It'll be more economical. Let's take a break. We're going to come back. We still have a visit from the doc, and Bill Colarulo will join us for his analysis of today's game on the Pond the Hockey Eagles postgame show, live from Ocean Casino. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth, born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one, and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. 
It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. My name's Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Yes, you are watching the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show live at Ocean Casino in Atlantic City. The Eagles 23, the Rams 14. They had 14 in the first half. Zero in the second half as the Eagles defense shuts down Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and uh, Puka Nakua. And uh, that's about all they had. Higby didn't, wasn't a factor. So let's bring in Bill Calarula. You know, it's funny. Watching the game with Bill, who watches the game with us in the green room, it's like uh, you, you transport yourself to the corner bar and Bill's out with his buddies <laughs> screaming at the TV when things go bad. Now, now, Bill, you were a little unnerved early, but then you, your overall assessment of this game today. Yeah, I was frustrated with the third down conversions in the first half. The Eagles defense let the Rams convert five of seven on third down for 71% in that first half. They came out. It was a completely different game in the second half. They only let the Rams convert on third down once out of seven times in that second half. I really think that was the key to the game for that defense. All right. So uh, overall, your assessment as they they now go to five and zero, three and zero on the road. By the way, uh, they they seem to have uh, all the facets that they need to win a game, whether it's against an inferior competitor or, or whether it's they needed a, a really good defensive effort in the second half today. Yeah, it was impressive. I mean, sticking with the third down theme, you look at what the Philadelphia Eagles offense did on third down. Coming into this game, the Rams defense was the number two defense in the NFL, only allowing teams to convert, I believe, 27% of the time. That Philadelphia Eagles offense went 13 of 18 on third down, converting 72% of their third down conversions that is impressive so really they can beat you anyway we saw what they did the first five weeks of the season 
They haven't won a single game the same way, and yet they're 5-0. and That makes you a really tough team to beat. What do you think of some of the play calls in the red zone? Uh, they seem to be having problems here. So what, what are we looking at here? How would you change things? Well, I don't want to have any negativity tonight. They're 5-0, and but if you did look at one area this team needs to improve, it's the red zone. The numbers get a little bit skewed because they weren't trying to score a touchdown at the end of that game, but they finished 2 of 6 for only 33%, and you were going against one of the worst red zone defenses in the NFL. So that is one area of concern as the season goes on. Hey, yeah, got to get better in the red zone. Play calling's got to get better, especially we were talking about it in the green room. Why take the chance with Jalen Hurts running the ball twice at the end of that game? That doesn't make sense. But all in all, keeping the positive theme here, I thought Brian Johnson called a lot better of a game this week than he did in week one. And I think we've seen him grow every single week as a play caller, which we anticipated. He's never called plays in the NFL before. If he can keep growing, this team can keep growing. We're in a pretty good spot sitting here 5-0 and after five weeks. Well, a guy we haven't talked about today at all is DeAndre Swift. And if you look at his production, he was over 100 yards carrying the football, 17 carries for 76 more catches for 38. And it's a quiet, efficient game for him. But he's that battering ram that they need. He's that game changer. I mean, man, he is a tough runner. Um, you know, he's not the biggest back, but I tell you what, he gives you everything. He gives as much as he takes. He's such a Swiss Army knife. You throw it to him. You give him a behind-the-line scrimmage. He's such a patient runner. I love his little hesitation move behind the line of scrimmage, waiting for the offensive line to open up that seam for him, and all of a sudden he accelerates with that second burst. He's been everything that these Eagles needed, uh, the, everything the Eagles wanted him to be in this offense, and then some through five games. All right. Of course, this segment, uh, let's talk about the drive of the game. Uh, we used to do this on a regular basis last year, drive of the game. Um, to me, there's no question the drive of the game is the four-play drive that gets them the touchdown to go, to go into halftime in the monster play with A.J. with a left-handed snag carrying it in. It gets them in field goal range plus a penalty, and, and then they get to first down at the one on, on a pass interference. I mean, to me, that's, that, that's the game-breaker right there for the Rams. That's the kind of drive that makes the defensive coordinator want to take his mini iPad and just throw it up against the wall. There's no excuse for you allowing an opponent to walk down a field 75 yards in 32 seconds and punch it in. Two big mental gaffes cost the uh, Rams on that particular drive, and they paid for it and never recovered for, from it. Yeah, that's Raheem Morris as their uh, defense player, yep. right? Yeah, former head coach at, at Tampa Bay. All right, so the Eagles win 23-14. Bill, you got the Jets coming in uh, next week. How do you feel about that matchup now that the Jets, you know, a lot of Jets fans were here today. They were exalting today. On paper, clearly the Philadelphia Eagles are a better team. I don't have a lot of confidence in Zach Wilson as the quarterback. But in this league, as we've seen, you can't look past any opponent. This could be the quote-unquote trap game looking ahead to the Miami Dolphins. I think this coaching staff, Jalen Hurts, this culture won't allow them to do that. But you certainly don't want to look past any opponent. Jets have a very talented defense, but I just don't think they have enough talent at the quarterback position to compete with the Philadelphia Eagles. I was Eagles. just going to say, if that kid beats the Eagles, <laughs> I, really, and I, I don't want the, the, the milf, the, the, the milf I, hunter. Yeah, you know, I, I know he's getting trashed. Rodney Harrison trashed him last oh, week. Oh, my goodness. It was kind of an unfair shot. That was cold-blooded. cold-blooded. Uh, but, you know, the, listen, the, that kid's not going to be good enough to, to beat the Philadelphia might Eagles. Not, listen, they might not have to. They, they ran the ball for 234 yards today and just 
destroyed. Yeah, I don't Devin know where Bronco. that came from because they well, had been running Hall's, the ball well, well, well all year. You got Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall. Brees Hall's yeah. a good back. You've Dalvin lost Cook a lot. hasn't been worth anything. No, I know. But he Brees Hall is the feature back. Brees Hall had a big game. Yeah. And um, when you freight train a defense with 230-some yards, we watch it periodically with the Eagles. You know, that's about as demoralizing as it gets. I don't think the Jets can run for 234 yards against the Eagles, but I do believe the Jets could run the ball with a certain amount of efficiency to make the game interesting. All right, let's take a break. And, you know, this segment, Game Analysis and Drive the Game, brought to us by Rafferty Subaru. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. I'm not going to sing it because these guys will kill me. <laughs> take a quick break. We're back with the doc, Dr. Bruce, coming up with his outlook at uh, maybe some injuries that happened on the field today on the uh, Pontland Hockey Eagles postgame show. We're live at Ocean. Back after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling. Asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC <laughs> Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. All right, welcome back to the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show. I am Mike Missanelli, and uh, uh, the Eagles win today 23-14. It is time for our injury report. 
with our sports doc, uh, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. Uh, doc, did you see anything out there? The good news is I feel like the Maytag repairman today in the sense that these Eagles did not sustain any injuries. So I wanted to prepare to bring the crowd up to date in three significant injuries. And I'd like to talk about that if I could. Okay, go ahead. So firstly is Cam Jurgens, the big guy. He will be back in three weeks. He has a stretched ATF ligament. So when they say strain, it's actually an MRI-confirmed stretch of the ATF. He's in a boot. He's going to come back on November 5th against the Cowboys, which is very fortuitous. They're going to need him in that game. Second one I want to talk about is Fletcher Cox, the Warrior. This is the first time he's missed a start in six years. He has an inflamed disc and nerve. He actually underwent an epidural injection, which is not a small thing. So basically, that's a lung needle with steroids and local anesthetic agents. And he's doing great. He should be back next week for the same time. Again, 4-15 start against the Jets. And one of the most important backups we have is Sidney Brown from the Fighting Illini. And he's, had, he's a nagging hamstring. So it harkens me back to Grossinger's 12th rule of medicine. Never rush a hamstring back. I know you know that. So they've, they've always thought that he could come back, but he's, he's still nursing a hamstring. So these are the three particular injuries that I wanted to talk about. But uh, Sua Pita played great today. And amazing that you could play a pro football game and not have any significant injury. So that's very fortuitous. Hey, Mike. Yes, sir. That's the, the Grossinger's 12 rules of hamstring. Don't rush them back. You want me to tell you the Buddy Ryan rules of hamstring? What was that? If you pull a hamstring, that meant that you was out of shape. Cut him, process him, get him up out of here. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Hey, that's how things were changed back then. All right, let's wow. wrap it up here. 23-14, really good win for the Eagles today. They are 5-0 uh, and oh, uh, with uh, the Jets coming up next week at, at MetLife. And we talked about this a little earlier. Do we expect anything? we expect anything at MetLife with the Jets? No. Uh, first quarter will be entertaining. Jets coming off a big win. Nathaniel Hackett gets his revenge on Sean uh, on Sean Payton. Uh, Jets will be flying high. They'll be on, uh, at home and in front of their home crowd. They don't have the offensive. They have everything offensively they need except a quarterback to compete with the Eagles. Jets defense will make it interesting, but in the end, the Eagles win by double digits. All right. Uh, and then the, the big Miami game on Sunday night. So, oh, following week. Oh, 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 which will oh, we'll, oh, we'll be interesting. Oh. All right, let's wrap it up uh, today. Thank you uh, to everybody for watching on the 6ABDC.com and the Jacob Media YouTube channel. I'm Mike Misnelli for Derek Gunn, Seth Joyner, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, uh, Kayla Santiago, Bill Calarulo, and Mark Farzetta. Uh, have a great night, everybody, and uh, have a, a great rest of your Sunday evening. And we will see you next week right here on the Pontla Hockey Eagles postgame show. Good night, everybody. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey, the largest workers' compensation law firm in Pennsylvania. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. Even better, Pondley Hockey doesn't charge a dime until you win. If you've been injured at work, give Pondley Hockey a call. Hello. 
welcome to the Diamond Debate with Liam and Hillary in the heart of Montgomeryville, Pennsylvania. What you got for us today on your right hand, Hill? Today we've got a right hand ring, Liam. What is that? It's a ring that you would wear on your right hand. That's it? That's all there is to it. Okay. <laughs> it's what? meant to balance your left hand situation or if you're not engaged or married, it says, I'm not engaged or married, but I still have this over here that's sparkly. There's a lot of other ways you can say that. No, not if you're trying to wear jewelry. Which okay. one's your favorite? I love this um, Art Deco moment. I mean, with these beautiful baguettes and round diamonds. I mean, who wouldn't say no to one of these? Baguettes are hot right now. People also love an eternity band. It's beautiful. Great for the other hand. That's right. So come on down here. For Love Grows here at Mark's Jewelers. Every day of the week except Sundays and Mondays. That's because we are close. My name's Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Hooters, the perfect pair. Go for the beers, go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene, go for the screens. Go for the gallery, go for the win. Go to Ocean. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.